This is Insert Sound, a podcast about my process doing various sound recordings. I'm your host, Svavar Jonathanson. In this episode, I'm recording the sounds associated with industrial-scale printing. The recordings, I should note, were made early last year, early COVID, but I never got around to editing until now, so it jumps onto season two. The location and name of the company are undisclosed, not due to this being some sort of underground illegal printing press, turning out anti-establishment literature, smut or conspiracy theory pamphlets, but simply as there is no need to associate my possible random thoughts and questions to a company that has kindly allowed me to roam around freely inside this factory of the written word. I began recording without having decided a concept or approach, as I was told that in a few minutes the printer would begin the first batch of a brochure, giving me three to four minutes to get ready. I thought that was a good thing because it's kind of like being on a film set where you have to get ready fast, unless you want the whole crew to be staring at your inability, resulting in a waste of valuable time and money. And so I jumped right in and set up the Rode NT4 stereo microphone in a blimp cover on a mic stand in front of a machine that I had no idea what function it served, only noticing that it was green and big and made of metal. Out of a large slot, passing under two large green plastic wheels, folded brochures rolled out, a five size, I'd guess, on a black conveyor belt. I had started at the end of the process. It took me a while to decide the simple idea of recording the process from start to finish, though I moved my way backwards. But for the final version, let's do this in the right order. Half an hour after arriving, I was at the other end of a massive metal structure that seemed interconnected, but made up of three to four main units, kind of like a psychedelic steampunk train. The large warehouse stored massive rolls of paper, weighing up to 1,300 kilos each, or just under the weight of a small car. I forgot to ask where the paper is sourced from, information that could be interesting for a sound installation that would document the entire process from seed to paper to print. A small forklift came driving with a large roll, which was put down 10 feet from the mouth of the machine. A man cut the cardboard seal with a knife, picked up the paper roll by hooks on chains and put it in place. printer, that is the human being, which sometimes seemed like a mechanic working on a ship's engine, quickly connected the end of the paper to the end of a prior roll from the last printing that it recently halted. Then he walked back into the control room, leaving me to stare at their large roll of shiny white paper, though not glossy, as if the 
ultima tabula rasa, a string of unwritten paper, or a completely blank mind, until you couldn't even comprehend the idea of a piece of paper being anything but white, empty, and clear. This led me to a quick rabbit hole, past scene from The Matrix, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and the well-known problems of writer's block, but also the machine gunfire poetry of Jack Kerouac and the long rolls of paper blank, a kind of literary moment similar to a Formula One racing car about to set off at full speed. Thinking back, perhaps I should have allocated two to three hours for my visit, not even starting to record until I'd followed the full round of printing, asking about every little aspect, but that would have meant grossly overstaying my welcome, which, on the phone, I presented as a 30-minute in-and-out, grateful for whatever time I'd get to pick up the symphony of paper printing. But after I'd realized that the main elements were the feeding of paper into the mouth of the behemoth machine, the passing of paper through the four color stations, then through a long but unknown section, out and through massive drum rolls, up and then down, disappearing into the green machine, and out onto the conveyor belt, I felt I would get all I needed before I'd wear out my welcome. I stood patiently taking notes, including scribbling, steampunk, conveyor belt, Bible versus porn, hydraulics, and strips of torn paper on the ground, debris, clues of what had come out the days before. The sounds were very loud. The XY stereo configuration picked up a wide area, of course, so I moved closer. The sounds through the headphones sometimes had the feel of a rocket launch in progress. Occasional alarms, fuel being pumped into tanks, small golf carts carrying astronauts, wishing they could take a piss freely, perhaps unable to scratch an itch, fishbowl helmets in their laps, about to push buttons that would explode the decibel scale and hurl them into space. The thought makes me wonder whether a sound recordist has recorded such an event and what types of problems they might have faced regarding permissions, extreme sound levels, heat and fire hazards all around. I would love to hear an episode of Tone Vendors, which is my favorite sound recording podcast, where they'd interview someone who had done exactly such recordings. But back to our less flammable printing press. 
The paper began feeding into the printer, and the massive roll slowly got smaller, each second closer to the safety limit of the roll ending, with a few dozen meters left on, and finally discarded. Next sound station, in the form of four massive, tall boxes, I would call them, each containing a few drums, lathered with black, cyan, magenta, and yellow ink to create any range of colors. Listen closely to whether you can hear the sound of the color. Not quite like mentally adding color to a black and white photo, I know, but I like it as a title for a sound piece. Leave it at that. I just want to point out that on the Insert Sound uh, website, which is insertsound.net, you can listen to a pure version of the recordings, uh, meaning no voiceover. I aim to include a short sound piece from some of the episodes for all recordists, audiophiles, noise lovers, and experimental enthusiasts out there. The color stations seem to include the most amount of work by the printer, who is exchanging thin metal plates that go over the cylinder drums, leaving an imprint of the actual printing on them. This included nuts and bolts, tightening and other mechanical adjustments. At one point, I wondered how to isolate some of the sounds from the general cacophony going on in this large space. At that time, I only had the NT4 and the Zoom H5, but I was aware of the possible use of a shotgun mic and perhaps a contact mic. Neither of which I had, but the sounds within the sounds made me think of my dear great-uncle Palli, who passed away about a year and a half ago, after a lifetime of working on car engines. Since he was a hyperactive child in a large, poor family on the south coast of Iceland, growing up on the farm Hlíð, by the foot of the boulder-strewn mountains of Öster Eyjafjöll, he was obsessed with engines and machines. He once pulled apart a sewing machine at the age of six, tinkering away in the attic, while the whole family looked for him on Christmas night. And he pulled apart hundreds, if not thousands, of car engines, tractor engines, and lawn mowers, fixing problems, using patience, experience, his weirdly precise hearing, though half-deaf, and then whatever-sized wrench key he'd needed. I was told that he was so good that he would be called at odd hours as a last resort when the engine of large fishing ships had broken down out on sea. Once he sat for hours on the telephone at my grandfather's place on Christmas Eve, troubleshooting with the ship's mechanic. And even though he was hard of hearing, adding the cup of his palm to his already large ear for a few extra decibels over kitchen table conversations, he somehow managed to hear every sound coming from a car engine. And so I listen, like my great-uncle Palli,
After the color stations is the control room, which, were it not for the brown low leather sofa, looks like what I'd imagine a USSR military control room at a remote rocket site in Siberia. Here, the printer monitors computer screens and occasionally walks into the machine hall where he pulls out a brochure by random, bringing it back and making sure all is okay. I begin to notice details while monitoring through the headphones, but the noise is much louder outside my cushioned ear. I notice the control knobs on some of the machines, most going from zero to ten, as if symbolizing the process from uncut forests, zero, to the sound of chainsaws, one or two, falling of tree, three, sound of truck hauling timber, four, timber mill cutting, five, processed for pulp, six, then to paper, seven, transport, eight, printing, nine, delivery to reader, ten. I guess eleven would be either storing or... Uh, filing or putting in libraries or throwing or recycling or burning or whatever you do uh, after the production of uh, printed material. After six centuries of mass printing on paper, from Bibles, brochures, porn and propaganda, poetry and obituaries and all the news fit to print, the pendulum swings between scarcity and saturation, freedom and censorship, trends and demand. The printing of the Washington Post, with the Watergate scandal on the front page, didn't sound any different, nor did the printing of Mein Kampf, ink on paper, capable of changing the world. So there I was, just recording the sound of the printing, nearing the final stage with the massive green Rotoman printer, all part of a whole printing unit, found all around the world, printing a variety of fonts in various languages, with different meaning and purpose. To witness the speed of production by modern technology, along with the quality, is simply mind-blowing. It impressed me greatly when the first printing began, ever so slowly, speeding up, until it reached speeds that, for the untrained ear, sounds like something might break. On it went, and the printed product rolled out of the machine and, through a hole in the dividing wall, headed for packaging and distribution out of the scope of this episode. And, lessons learned for a sound recordist, information and context of what I was hearing could have changed my conceptual approach. Talking into a mic in hopes of recording key information of what I had just recorded when the surrounding noise is deafening is a recipe for failure. And then, of course, the question of how to position the microphone and which mic. For now, the Rode NT4 is what I have to work with, and I consider it a fine microphone. No complaints. I also would have loved to try a contact mic straight onto the printer in various locations. But as my contact mic from Jess Riley in the UK was uh, in a sort of limbo in the post-delivery system in London due to COVID. That was not an option. We end this episode 
I've insert sound by the sound of the steam being let out of a humidifying system in the ceiling, maintaining moisture needed for paper in a fastly digitizing world. For earlier episodes, check out insertsound.net. Thanks for listening. <laughs>